That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, happy birthday to me. Another episode of Same Old Song. It's May 2nd, if you're listening to this, but my birthday's May 8th, so you can send in your gifts too. Just kidding. Da na 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 na. It's that. You say it's your birthday. So, Aaron, what are you getting me for my birthday? I'm getting you a giant <laughs> icon, but of my face. <laughs> that's great. And in one Good. hand, that's what I've always wanted. I'll be holding a burrito. And in the other <laughs> hand, I'll be holding a beautiful something else for that you love hoka running shoes something like that well Today's episode oh, that's wonderful to you yeah by hoka so. one one time to fly <laughs> well here we are it's may the 8th and uh uh gosh um you know possibly spring is in the air but we are on the fourth sunday of easter also known as good shepherd sunday uh where uh, we remember that indeed uh we have a good shepherd um a shepherd who has uh, he's not seen a great shepherd we, he's just he's a good shepherd he's a good shepherd a solid c plus <laughs> who's looked out upon the crowds and said meh he's not, not your a player <laughs> You know, no, we have a great shepherd, also known as a good shepherd, who has seen us as sheep without a shepherd. And instead of saying, dang it, uh, he has said, um, Put me in, he's looked upon us with mercy. He is that wonderful, wonderful uh, Lord who pulls us out of the ditch. And as the YouTube video demonstrates, two jumps out and we're back in the ditch and he runs to get us out again. So he is the, the shepherd who saves us. Yeah. And it's called Good Shepherd Sunday. One, because the collect for the day, if you are an Episcopalian or Anglican of some stripe. O God, whose son Jesus is the good shepherd of your people, grant that we hear his voice. We may know him who calls us each by name and follow where yes. he leads. And so we get that. Yes. And then we also have Palm Psalm, Psalm 23, which is, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, of course. And The Psalms are my favorite book too. <laughs> yeah. I can't even pronounce Psalm right. Why do you have that? silent p in there what the heck is that and then we have uh john chapter 10 is the gospel reading and he talks jesus talks about my sheep hearing my voice and all this it's the basis for the collect that we pray to be so that's why it's good shepherd sunday uh if you want to you know bring a live sheep into the service that would be your perfect time to do that um livestock never Maybe. never distracts from anything it only it i only always enhances that just worship. reminded me what I love to cut my psalms with a knife. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense, but it does show the absurdity Doesn't. of the English language. Mm -hmm. All right, so we begin so. with Acts chapter 9. We then get into Revelation chapter 7, and then John 10. Acts 9 is the story of Peter raising somebody who has died from the dead. Her name is Tabitha. Or if you're one of her Greek friends, you call her Dorcas. But unlike if you were in middle school today, it is not an insult. It's an actual name. 
She's like, her name was like, those people in seminary, remember, they were like, Stephen, but they were like, I go by Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except this one is My just name's fun. Tamitha, but I go by Dorcas. Yeah, that's My right. friends call me Dorcas. Or Dork, for short. Anyways, uh, we now have, um, then, by the way. Or Tabby. Jacob Smith was. My grandma called me Tabby. Was always Jacob until he got to New York, and then people started calling him Jake. Fun fact about Jacob Smith. Mm. They renamed him. Uh, I wonder what Jesus will call you when you get to get to heaven. Uh, I was baptized in a puddle in the in the subway, <laughs> and as the pigeons cooed around your head, that's said, right. I call thee Jake. This guy's all right, just kind of like a good shepherd. Yeah. So, so anyway, but uh, <laughs> so Revelation chapter seven. So by the way, again, we're in. Wait, the season. you can't jump to Revelation seven yet. We got to talk about. Uh, well, I'm just uh, one thing I'm saying. Dorcas. I'm sort of going through the overall readings here. In the fact oh, that okay. one thing I wanted to say was that. In the Easter season, it's all about what the resurrection means for us as believers, what it does to the disciples, what it means for the church, which is why we don't have as normally an Old Testament and then a New Testament and then a gospel reading. We have all these readings from Acts, and then we have Revelation. And so what we're doing here, Acts is early church. Revelation is the end of all things, the the kind of um, everything coming to fruition. So you're just spanning huge swaths of time. And Jesus in his, you're seeing him both in his very earthly ministry and how how his resurrection impacts what the disciples are doing in the Roman Empire in the first century. And you're also getting this end of days, cosmic view of Christ's ministry and what that means for all things. And then, of course, in the Gospels, you go back to Jesus interacting in his actual earthly ministry uh, and who he is. So, and as as you do that, as you go back into the Gospels, what should be clear to your congregation, hopefully, uh, and if not, you're making it clear, that the Jesus who shows up in the Gospels is the same Jesus who's in Revelation and is the same Jesus who's empowering the work of the disciples and us today in that those lessons from Acts. So, um, that is... Jake's mom calling. Just kidding. Hmm. Mom, I told you not to call Keep me going. while I'm recording an episode of Same Old Song. It's uh, it's live work. I know. We're in the middle. Of, we're in the trenches here, folks. We're actually recording during Holy Week. Mm-hmm. That's how much we love you. So that was probably Jake's altar guild director being like, we've got no candles for Sunday. Okay. So Acts, Joppa. Joppa is a city on the coast. It is in Israel. It is now known as Jaffa. It has a cannon that Napoleon left there after he stopped his invasion. Uh, it's got a beautiful church right there on the water. And it's also a hippie slash artist community in Israel with a lot of cool public art. But back in the first century, the disciples were there. And uh, there's this story of Peter raising Tabitha slash Dorcas from the dead. Uh, she's called a disciple, meaning she's one of those many followers of Jesus. We think of the 12 disciples, but there were lots of followers of Jesus. Disciple just means a student or a pupil. There's somebody who's following Jesus, the teacher, the rabbi. And she's apparently a super great person. She's devoted to good works and acts of charity. And she dies. And this is important because the disciples all thought that, um, uh, you know, they weren't going to die. And Jesus was going to come back kind of immediately. And so her death would have been a great shock. All these people would have been praying for her healing, would have been because they'd seen Jesus heal. Um, These are people who knew Jesus personally. And yet she dies. And they follow the normal rituals one would do. uh, And um, the disciples uh, who are nearby, they hear that um, Peter is there. And so they 
they say, come help. So they haven't given up hope. They haven't given up faith. And they come and they bring Peter and he, uh, and they're weeping, they're grieving. And, um, and they, and Peter raises her from the dead. And it's very much like what Jesus did, putting them all outside, like just me here. This is not for about a spectacle or showing off. And she comes back. Um, she's raised from the dead. Uh, and it's an incredible story. Again, showing the ministry of Jesus lives on in the life of the disciples. So there's also some stuff that's about to happen with food and Simon the Tanner and all that sort of stuff. But, Jake, what would you add to this story? Well, I, nothing. I mean, I would say that that's exactly right. And it is connected to the importance of Simon the Tanner and uh, and um, and the vision of uh, clean and unclean things and that everything now is clean. Uh, what, what we see happen in the importance of the miracles is not only as a testimony to the work of Jesus on the planet Earth, but the work and the miracles of the apostles is a confirmation and a testimony, a son, an outward and visible sign of the validity of what's coming out of their mouth. Mm. So, on one level, that this is, uh, yes, indeed, it is a, uh, a sign of that Jesus is alive and present and at work in the world through the ministry of the apostles, but also as a testimony to what they proclaim. And so, when we look back and we know that when they say that um, all are welcome— Indeed, uh, these miracles confirm the fact that all are welcome. Uh, these miracles confirm the fact that Jesus uh, is now calling uh, Gentiles and that the fulfillment of what the prophets saw, that the nations would be brought to worship the Messiah, is indeed coming into fruition and coming into place. Yeah. And uh, that you and I, by virtue of this preaching confirmed in these miracles, um, are a fruits of that great work. And by the way, this is also something, if you wanted to bring up the reading from last Sunday, where Peter is reinstated in ministry by Jesus, and now you get to see him in ministry. And what a contrast from the one who denied Jesus, who was always correcting Jesus, and um, and Jesus forgave him on that beach as they had that breakfast and put him back into ministry. This incredible show of love, and, and you see the transformation that's happened in Peter. Also, they had Pentecost, which you sort of, we haven't talked about because we're not there yet in the church year. This story in Acts 9 comes after Pentecost, so the work of the Holy Spirit is also a big part of this, even though the Spirit is not mentioned uh, directly in this passage. So, moving on, should we move on? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, Revelation chapter 7. We had a shorter Revelation reading last week, but we again have this, just this picture of Jesus um, man, he looks a lot different than when we saw him on earth. Uh, yeah, Jake, what do we see here? Well, you know, and this is typically uh, one of the readings for All Saints Day as well, but this is the very powerful, powerful reading where we see the fruit of the resurrection at the end of the age. Um, you know, oftentimes we wonder, it could, could you know, is this ever going to end? You know, we were looking at wars in the Ukraine and all of these things, and and, you know, is, is this trial and tribulation ever going to end? And we do see that it, has a, that it does have an ending. And uh, it has a glorious ending where uh, folks from every tribe, tongue, and nation um, are going to be gathered around this lamb. And uh, we're going to be robed in white with palm branches. You see, like, I mean, once again, a sign of victory. So that which uh, Palm Sunday was a type in Shadow 4 is now, like, mm -hmm. really, really fulfilled. And uh, salvation belongs to our God who's seated on the throne. And I think that this is one of the connections and the importance of constantly referring to Jesus as the Lamb here. Because he is the Lamb, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that's not just an abstract statement, it's a real living reality. 
And so these people, but I love this idea, you know, uh, the, the, the guy asked the question and he's like, who are all these folks? Who are they? Well, uh, it's you and me, mm. you know, it's, it's, uh, it's you're the person sitting next to you in the pew. All of us who've come out of the great ordeal, and believe me, you don't have to live in the Ukraine to come out of an ordeal. Uh, you don't have to, you know, sur- survive something to come out of an ordeal. Life is a great ordeal. This isn't about some abstract three and a half, seven year tribulation. This is about life as it actually is, and it can be a real ordeal. And, uh, but these are the folks who've come out of this ordeal, but they didn't come out on their own. They didn't come out by pulling themselves up by their own bootstraps. They came out of the ordeal because they had been washed white in the blood of the Lamb. They were baptized, and they were sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. Hey, you, Our, uh, yeah. oh, were you gonna, I was going to say, tell the Leander story. Tell it, Jake. Yeah, tell I it. was getting ready to. Okay, good. So, uh, uh, the very Reverend Dr. Leander Harding, who's the dean of the cathedral in Albany. And our former seminary uh, he professor. Used to, yeah, he used to be our professor. But he, remember one time he telling us in a pastoral theology class that when, like a baby, uh, when a, when a, when a, uh, baby, like when a mother dies, a lamb that's a mother that dies, uh, the rest of the mother lambs will reject the ewe. And so, and that ewe will eventually die. And so, what they need to do is they prick one of the mothers uh, to get a little blood, and then they rub that mother's blood on the ewe. And then the mother begins to accept uh, the baby ewe as her own. And, uh, you know, and we washed in the blood of the lamb. Uh, we then, uh, who were strangers, are now made God's people, and we can stand for this reason, this reason alone, being washed in the blood of land. They stand before the throne of God, because uh, without that, you're eviscerated. And uh, when you're washed in the blood of the Lamb, you understand what that actually means. And so you can worship Him day and night within His temple. The one seated on the throne will shelter them. I mean, this is good news, but this is a foreshadow of what it's all about coming out of the ordeal where God has wiped every tear from their eyes. That's right. And I think um, so many people just feel bad about themselves all the time and don't know how God feels about them. But how God feels about you is you've been washed and your robes have been made white. Uh, You are totally accepted. Um, And it's this ironic thing where you would think washing something in blood would not make it white, but the blood of Jesus makes you totally pure and clean and so that your righteousness has nothing to do with you and that's a great gift um, as opposed to the ego-driven egocentric way most of us approach life whether we're in the church or outside of the church it's all about us and our performance and our achievements what we do and that has nothing to do with how God sees us um, in Christ we are in him and loved and that's why this this passage begins salvation belongs to our God not to you <laughs> It's God's work, and that's why we worship Him. Uh, or salvation belongs to God and your part. Yeah. It's a little <laughs> yeah. bit you. It's a little bit Him. Uh, it's a collab, as my kids say. It's a collab. Yeah. It's a collaboration for the so, people who don't have no, teenagers. There's no collab here. Yeah. So, um, uh, and uh, John 10, 20, 22. John 10, 22 through 30. There you go. I think this is basically just the cherry on top of everything we've been talking about. Yeah, so this is Jesus in Jerusalem. John 10 is a famous chapter. It's uh, it's where he's... The good shepherd chapter. Yeah, and, that, and that's kind of one so of the things... I'm an okay shepherd. <laughs> it's what he talks about here. Uh, he says uh, that um, my sheep hear my voice. Uh, 
so he's he himself is using the shepherd uh, language to talk about himself. And he's at, in Jerusalem. John's gospel is the only gospel that has Jesus going to Jerusalem before the crucifixion. So this is one of his earlier visits, um, except for we do know that he went as a kid uh, to the temple. We read that in Luke's gospel when he was 12 years old. The rest of the gospels don't talk about Jesus's other trips to Jerusalem, except when he goes to die. In John's gospel, we see Jesus going to Jerusalem other times, which he would have done as a good Jewish uh, believer. He would have gone to uh, the temple for his annual uh, holy days and all that sort of stuff. Anyways, there he is in Jerusalem, the Feast of the Dedication, and he's in the temple, and people are saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus is like, I've been telling you guys for weeks, years, months. I've been doing these miracles. I've been doing it in plain sight. And clearly, if you're not going to believe now, there's nothing I can do. He says, the works that I do testify to me. Like, what do you need me to say? But he does say at the end of the passage is, the Father and I are one, a clear claim to divinity. And he's not saying the kind of thing that you feel after you've taken your first ayahuasca trip that, you know, everything is somehow connected. Uh, and uh, got a good chuckle out of Jake on that one. And I bet Ben Madison uh, out there in New It's funny because it's true. <laughs> um, yeah, he's not saying all things are one. He's, he, for a Jewish man to say the Father and I are one, is a blasphemous statement unless it's true yes. because it's claiming not just, you know, there's a spark of God in me and a spark of God in you. He's claiming that he is God in this statement, that the God the Father and God the Son, that I am him and he's me and we're the same. Uh, it's a pretty radical statement. And so this is why they want to kill him after this. But this is him also, I think, you know, how, how do you preach this? What do you say about this? Um, I think there's something here about how God enables us to hear the voice of Jesus, um, that this is a gift, and that um, when you have that gift, there's something about um, Jesus holding on to you forever, which is why he says, no one, my sheep, no one will snatch them out of my hand. Um, there's this picture of, um, and, and if someone is in church hearing your sermon, uh, a baptized member of your church, um, they don't need to have any anxiety about am, am I a sheep? Am I am I one of his? Yeah. Am I not one of his? Um, I think uh, you're here. You're here. This is you're like, part you're of, like you're part this of the is family. the declaration. Yeah. You know, it, it's like you you hear the voice, and let me tell you, uh, you are following him, and you're following him right into this church, and you're going to follow him right up to the table where you're going to receive uh, the miracle that is his bread, that is his body, and the wine that is his blood, where he continues to feed you to this day and assure you in those tangible means uh, that absolutely nothing can snatch you from his hand because he's chosen you and he's called you. And uh, that is a doctrine of sweet and unspeakable comfort, as the 39 articles say. And uh, so you are one of his sheep. You've heard his voice. He's brought you right here and he's going to assure you uh, that uh, nothing can separate you from him yeah. uh, when he brings you to his table. And so let that send you out into the world in peace, uh, not wondering if you're a uh, chosen one of God, but assured that you are. And uh, serve your neighbor, plant a tree. Yeah. Uh, so this reminds me of that. I mean, what you just said reminds me of that post-communion prayer. You have assured us thereby of thy favor and goodness favor towards and us. Favor and goodness towards and that us. that we are very members and corporate in the mystical body of thy son. And that's just, it's its basically saying, don't worry, you're in, you're good, you're fine. Mm -hmm. And this, this shows us the two different approaches one can take to Jesus. There's one 
group of people that say, why should we accept you? You have to prove mm. yourself to us. And it's very much like we're putting ourselves on the elevated plane. We are superior to Jesus looking down on him. And if he can make a good argument, it's it's almost like Shark Tank. Like Jesus is there standing in front of you making this pitch that he's the Messiah and all the billionaires are sitting there looking at um, Jesus and saying, why should we invest in your scheme here? As opposed to the, the attitude in your heart of Jesus coming to you uh, and you're, you realize you're the one that needs him as opposed to, you know, why should, why should I make room for you? It's more, uh, how do you come to him? Do you see yourself as somebody standing above Jesus, evaluating him, you know, seeing what he can add to your life? Or do you mm-hmm. see yourself as someone who's a sheep, someone who's in need, someone who's vulnerable, someone who needs to be cared for, someone who needs to be rescued, someone who um, finds himself or herself wandering uh, in a place that's difficult and needs a shepherd to come rescue? So this is the this is the sort of like what is the attitude of your heart? Should I make room for Jesus in my very important life, or am I someone who is harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd, and I need and I need a good shepherd? Um, yeah, so that's all I would say about that. There's other cool shepherdy things we could point out here, like when a sh- I uh, and I think I shared this last year when we read this passage. But there's a uh, um, I heard a speaker, Margaret Feinberg, talk about being with a shepherd, and the shepherd it was a shepherdess, a woman shepherd, took Margaret out to see the sheep, and was telling her about what it's like to raise sheep and to be a shepherd, and the shepherd was whispering in this entire conversation, and Margaret said, "Why are you?" whispering. She said, well, the sheep hear my voice, they'll all come running. And to demonstrate, she just said something in her own voice pretty loud. And all the sheep just who were all over the hills just immediately made a beeline straight for the shepherd. Um, they do know the voice of the shepherd. And uh, if people are in your pews as you preach this, they have heard the voice of the shepherd as well. That's and, an amazing, amazing illustration. Yeah. So feel free to use did it. Did you email that to me? Yeah, I just did. <laughs> I just did. So... Good. Well, uh, this uh, brings us to another uh, end of another episode, but uh, we're so grateful for you listening, and uh, and uh, we'll see you next week. And I'd like to close with the noise of a sheep. Go for it. How was that? Was that convincing? <laughs> really good. That's official. I've been practicing. See you. All right. Bye, y'all. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside ready to rock and roll.